Hi, it's Laurence Bradford. Welcome to season two of the Learn to Code with Me podcast, where I'm chatting with people who taught themselves how to code and are now doing amazing things with their newly found skills. Flatiron School offers an online web developer program with a focus on community, actual development tools, and a curriculum that will teach you the skills you need to land a career as a developer. Get $500 off your first month by visiting flatironbootcampprep.com. HyperDev is a developer playground ideal for quickly building full-stack web apps. Unlike other playgrounds, HyperDev allows you to write both back-end and front-end code. There's no setup, and the apps you create are instantly live. The best part? HyperDev is totally free at hyperdev.com. Hey, guys. Welcome to another episode of the Learn to Co with Me podcast. I am your host, Laurence Bradford. In today's episode, I talk with Daniel Thorne. Daniel is a 20-year-old developer currently working as a software engineering apprentice at Common Living. He dropped out of Brandeis University, where he was studying computer science, to learn to program in a more hands-on approach at Full Stack Academy, a coding bootcamp. If you're thinking about leaving college or attending a coding bootcamp, this episode is for you. Remember, you can get show notes plus a full transcript at learntocodewith.me forward slash podcast. Enjoy. Hey, Daniel. Thanks so much for talking with me today. Hey, Laurence. Thanks for having me. So could we just get things going by having you introduce yourself to the audience? Sure. So um, my name is Daniel Thorne. I am a 20-year-old software engineer currently working at Common Co-Living, a co-living startup based out of New York. I dropped out of school about two years ago at this point, or about a year ago, sorry, Um, after spending a year studying computer science and economics and kind of came to the realization at that point that I was less interested in computer science and more interested in getting into the nitty-gritty and programming. Yeah, wow. So uh, kind of even going a little further back than college, I guess, you know, in high school, did you always have a fascination with computers or how did you end up studying computer science in college? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so I think it actually probably goes back a little bit further than that. Um, when I think I was probably eight or nine, my dad bought me a um, a Lego Mindstorms uh, programmable like brick, uh, which allowed you just like build little simple contraptions, um, and then you would program it with some like uh, a drag and drop programming interface. Um, and so that's what really got me into it. I actually <laughs> I like to credit myself with building the original Roomba. Um, I I built a very, very early prototype of what had basically the same functionality um, using that, that Lego Mindstorms kit um, about a year before they released theirs. So, so that really got me excited about the potential for building, the potential for uh, doing meaningful things with code. I was always like very, very techie, uh, very interested in building computers and phones when they became more popular. Um, and then finally, my senior year of high school, they offered for the first time a computer science course, um, which was really just like an intro to Python um, with some computer science, a little bit maybe. Um, so I, I took that intro to Python. That was amazing. Uh, it was just like exactly what I needed it to be. It was just showing me at a very basic level what was possible. Um, and then I went to college thinking that I wanted to be a CS major. Uh, and then I took the intro CS class, which was amazing, took a second CS class, which was probably a little bit less amazing. It was more focused on data structures um, 
lesson actually building. Uh, and after that, I did a, a summer program at Brandeis, um, which was it was in the computer science department, but it wasn't computer science. I would say it was it was called uh, voice web and mobile applications. And what it was was a a three course program where the first four weeks it was an eight week program. The first four weeks were um, were essentially a combination of learning web development. Um, and then a little bit of an intro to computational linguistics. And then the second half, the, the final four weeks, were uh, just you created a team, you decided on a project, and you just built for about eight hours a day. And that's when I knew like, I did not want to be studying computer science. I didn't want to be in a classroom listening to lectures and watching PowerPoints. I wanted to be building, and I wanted to be creating. And so kind of like last minute... Uh, like the last possible day in August, I, I declared that I would be taking a leave of absence without really a clear goal of what I was going to be doing uh, in that leave of absence. Um, but ultimately, I, uh, I left. I found a programming boot camp that I really, really liked, uh, the Full Stack Academy of Code, and enrolled there. And that's when I would say I really like began to code, uh, is, is during that. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's such an interesting story. So I have to ask, um, what did your parents think when <laughs> you told them that you were going to be taking a leave of absence the day before, like the semester started? Right. So, so I guess like it wasn't that that last minute of a decision. It had been kind of like there's been conversations about it for like months prior. I think that they were like very very skeptical, but they supported me. I like I, I've been very very lucky to have parents who are, who've always been my, my number one fans. Um, and they, I guess they believed in me. I don't know why they did. Um, but. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Well, you know, yeah. I mean, you didn't have a plan, but it sounds like you always were very like industrious going, growing up and you, you know, you made a bunch of these different things and you obviously, you know, made cr- good decisions since you went on a good path. So <laughs> what, but so when, okay, so you, you decide to not go back to school and then ha- what was like kind of the time frame between when you um, made that decision and then started at full stack? Sure. So the time frame, um, I started full stack. November 2nd. Um, so that is like two full months of just having nothing to do. Um, so the first month was just a lot of applications. So I actually found out, I talked to a friend and found out about Hack Reactor out in San Francisco, um, which sounded amazing. I immediately interviewed there. I immediately got rejected because I just like had literally no idea what I was doing. And then I kind of hunkered down a little bit, took studying for those, uh, those assessments more seriously. Um, and then interviewed at a couple other places. Um, ultimately, Fullstack was my the favorite of the places that I got in. And I think I heard back from them beginning of October. Uh, and then the the month prior to the beginning of the uh, of the program start is doing prep work. Um, so that's what I occupied myself with, and also bothered my friends at a <laughs> at University of Maryland. I went up there a lot and made made their lives more annoying, probably. Wait, so you were you were living away from? Oh, sorry, sorry. I'm from DC. Um, oh, okay. But, I was thinking you were up in Boston, going oh. down to university. I was like, wow, that's that's quite the drive, right? Yeah, <laughs> to, go, to go see your friends. But okay, if you're from DC, yeah. going to okay, that makes sense then. Yeah, so I was living at home at the time, uh, and just like when I didn't have work to do, I would just go up to Maryland and just bother them. <laughs> yeah, so basically, like you were in college. Anyway, well, except you weren't going to classes, but you still were hanging out, <laughs> hanging out around then. So, okay, so you, you right. started on um, the full stack November 2nd, you said. And did you, so you just relocated to New York, I assume. 
Yeah, so I actually, I actually started uh, relocating to New York was my biggest fear, uh, or relocating to anywhere. So was it whether it was like San Francisco, New York, Seattle, Austin? I like I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, still don't, but um, yeah. So I, I was in touch with the admissions office at Fullstack, and they put me in touch with actually the admissions rep um, at Common, uh, which is now where I work. Uh, <laughs> so. They they set that up. I toured the the co living space via FaceTime, signed a lease, and that was it. Uh, I've been there since. So okay, um, so you've been like where you're you're interning or working now um, since November second of what was that twenty fifteen? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh wow. So so wait. So you live? Do you live still where where you work? Is that the office that you go to? No, so the office is uh, right next to Grand Central, but I live in one of the, in the first house that opened up. We uh, Common opened its doors November first. I moved in November first, um, so <laughs> it was all very very coincidental. Uh, everything that happened after that, I guess. No, that's so odd. I, I I didn't I didn't realize that that like where you you worked was also where you lived, and then you moved there right when you moved to New York, and then wow, no, that's really that's really that's like oh, that's a, such a crazy story. That's amazing. So so how long did it take you to find a place to live in? And you know, as the listeners know, I moved to New York in July of 2016, and that was a huge fear of mine too was finding a place to live because literally, like if you are watching a sitcom or something or a movie, <laughs> they make fun. They, it's like a joke, like oh how hard is to find an apartment in New York, right? So I was right. freaking out. But yeah. how? So it, you found one pretty quickly, or you found the place? Yeah, I mean, like my issue was not finding a place; it was just finding a place that I was like pretty pretty certain that I would not be living with crazy roommates. So like I found a couple places. I was in touch with a couple people for like two weeks, and then finally the connection came through with Common, and that all happened over like three days. I think uh, the process of like seeing the place and then being approved and then joining. Um, yeah, I'm so just like, so, I, so I'm just so fascinated by the fact that were you were you 19 at the time? Yeah. Okay, that's just it. Always amazes me when I talk to some of these, some of the, the people who are, you know, a bit, a bit a bit younger than I am, because I just know when I was nineteen, I feel like I was not that organized, like finding a. Like, oh, I'm not. <laughs> I, this was this was. I had my hand held through the entire process by full stack and by common. Like this was, I don't think I could have done it easier, more easily, rather. Oh, so so full stack also helped you find a place as well. Yeah, so full stack full stack uh, linked me up with common. They, I think, they partnered with a couple housing places so they they also have founder house and when it was around crash but it has since uh it has since closed its doors i believe got it so okay so back to the story so you moved to new york november 2nd okay you start full stack and then how was that like how was the coding boot camp experience and especially compared to college because that's something people ask me all the time uh is if they should go to college or if they should go to a coding boot camp so would love to hear your thoughts on that Right, so I, I don't know if is if one is necessarily a substitute for the other. Personally, I found the coding bootcamp experience just to be like absolutely incredible and eye opening as a learning experience. Um, the environment at the bootcamp was what I expected college to be, where people were there because they wanted to be there. Like people, these are people who left like most of them well paying jobs, like comfortable, secure, did not need to be there um, to come here to learn. And it was just, it was such an exciting atmosphere to be in. And like, it was just so eye opening because that is what I wanted. And that is what college did not give me. That being said, like, I don't think that my, 
what I learned at full stack necessarily replaces what I would have gotten in college. I think I would have gotten a more comprehensive computer science understanding. So like I still lack a lot of understanding about like more CS fundamentals, more more basic data structures and algorithms. Uh, and I think that at some point I'm gonna need to go back because I, I don't think that it's I don't think it's wise to try to progress forever without really having those understandings. But I don't know. That's it's not my primary concern right now. Right now I'm just I'm very focused on just learning as much as I can. If that's computer science, great. If it's just programming languages, that's also great. With regard to what the atmosphere is like, I just I can't emphasize enough how how much fun it was to be in a place like that, in a place of like excited learning. Yeah, wow. So how many how many weeks or months was the program? So the program was twelve weeks, but it was a little bit weird because we had about three weeks off for like Christmas break and New Year's. So we started in November, we ended at the end of February. So when the program wrapped up, um, could you just talk a bit about what you did after? And yeah, so I was, I was a little bit in a, uh, I had a little bit of a unique scenario in that like I didn't have to look for a job. Um, the full stack offers a fellowship program that they select like it, it depends on the size of the next incoming class, uh, but somewhere between like six and ten. Uh, students from the previous class to be kind of like TAs slash software engineers at full stack uh, for the duration of the next cohort that's starting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was very lucky to be to be chosen as one of those. So that kind of took the pressure off finding a job and more just continuing to look. Um, so I, I haven't I, I haven't had to look for a job yet, um, which is very lucky. So I don't really have too much experience in that domain. So then how, but, but now you're no longer doing the fellowship. the fellowship, you have the internship. So how did you kind of end up then interning there? Right. So living at Common, I befriended the, at that point, lead software, or the only software engineer at Common. And towards the end of my fellowship, he reached out to me and just said like, hey, what are you up to this summer? Uh, interested in interning at Common? I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> Instead of having to look for a job, I just get handed one. Like that's, that was great. So I, I went in and I did like a very quick, uh, very brief technical interview. That was it. The, the fellowship ended. I went home for a week just to decompress a little bit. And then the internship started right back up. Wow. <laughs> so, so is your internship done? Because it's, it's what? It's September now that we're recording this. Is it, are you still interning there? Or? So the internship technically ended uh, on Friday, past Friday. Um, but I was offered an extension to... It's not really clear, um, but at this point, my official title is Software Engineer Apprentice, uh, and that's my title for the next three months, and then it could go full-time after that. It could not. The future is a little bit murky, but I hope I will find out soon. <laughs> yeah, it's def- you've definitely quite the different story. I was, um, for, and, and for the people listening, last season, Becca Refford, I'll make sure we put her episode in the show notes. She, similar, similar story where she uh, left college studying computer science to work full-time, and she had about like three different internships, and it was really interesting. But I love like what, I just, I, I love your story because you moved to New York, which is r- scary. It's not the easiest thing to do. And then you've just been kind of, you just had like a pretty wild ride, I'd say, since. But at the same time, you haven't had to really apply for, you haven't really interviewed too much yet. But that's No, I haven't not, interviewed at all. That's actually, it just kind of shows that, you know, you're legit enough that they don't even feel the need to interview you. That's what I think. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, I think I've had, I've made some like very good connections over the past few months um, or over the past 10 months, I guess, at this point. 
And that is just really, they've all been there for me when I really needed it. That, um, okay. That is, that's gold. Yes. Like ex- who you know, right, is is so oh, much totally. what you know. Oh my yeah. God. It is, it is all based on connections out there. Sit tight, podcast listeners. We're taking a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Flatiron School's online web developer program, free and certificate courses, and free bootcamp prep courses are perfect for anyone interested in a career change and becoming a developer. Flatiron students include those from a range of backgrounds, from financial to creative. What they all have in common is the passion, grit, and determination to learn to love to code. Flatiron's rigorous 800-plus hour curriculum will teach you the skills you need to land a fulfilling career as a developer. Learn to Code With Me listeners can get an awesome $500 off their first month to get started on that career change. Just visit flatironbootcampprep.com. One student, an online career change student, said he'd learn more in a couple of days with Flatiron than a year of computer science classes. If you're interested in learning how to think like a real developer while using the tools actual developers use, check out Flatiron's online web developer program at flatironbootcampprep.com and claim your $500 discount. Fog Creek's HyperDev Developer Playground is perfect for building full-stack web apps. It's the fastest way to write code and have it running online. Most developer playgrounds only allow one HTML, one CSS, and one JS file. But HyperDev lets you write in both front-end and back-end code so you can use it to create full web apps. There's no setup, meaning you don't need to worry about anything other than the code. And for those learning how to code, you don't have to get bogged down with setting up your environment, configuring your build pipeline, memorizing Git, manually deploying updates, and all the yak shaving that goes along with it. The apps you create with HyperDev are instantly live. They're hosted by HyperDev and changes are deployed automatically as you type. HyperDev also lets you remix existing community projects, collaborate live with other people, and it all runs solely in your browser. See how quickly you can get a real live web app up and running by visiting hyperdev.com. So how did you befriend the only software engineer at the place you were living? Like, how are you making these he lived the, He lived on the floor above me. Uh, so we all hung out and... Like it was never, we had joked about me working for him one day, but it was never like a serious conversation. Like we were just, we would always just talk, hang out. A lot of times we would, our, our conversations would lead to text. So we would, we would talk about what we were working on, uh, about what we were seeing in the industry. Um, and I guess that gave him the sense that I knew what I was doing. Uh, and so when I guess the company allocated him some sort of budget to, to get an intern, he, he thought of me, uh, which is, which is, very nice. Yeah, and and you're still working with him like today, right? Like like yeah. you're still working. Okay. Is it just yeah. you two now or there is there anyone else at the company? So when I first started, it was me, him and one other intern. Um but we've since onboarded three full-time engineers and a product manager. So it's like a very very powerful uh very powerful department at this point. Very very smart people working in it. And how many people just out of curiosity work at the company in like total? Oh, that's a good question. I can, I would say around thirty-five, maybe. But we're we're spread across the the Midwest, the East Coast, and the West Coast. Um, so I don't know exactly how many people work on total. 
so what do you like what do you kind of do in your day to day? Like what what do you build? Like what does what does your job there sort of entail? Yeah, sure. Um so when I first started we were um we were launching a new version of our like external facing website. So the majority of my job was just like being handed a mock up and saying like build this. And so it was a lot of front end work, uh, <laughs> a lot of jQuery. We don't use a front end framework for our external site, which I think is actually a very good idea. And so I, I spent the first probably three months just like building out that new website and helping in any way I could. And then over the past month ish, I have been uh, been transitioning to more of a back end role, helping to build out features for our admin facing uh, website, which helps them like kind of control admissions. Um, so our, our backend is in Ruby on Rails, so it's been very much a learning experience for me because my, my boot camp taught uh, full-stack JavaScript, so it was Node on the backend. So Ruby and Rails are both very, very new concepts that I'm still learning every day. Do you think it was easier to pick up Ruby on Rails because you um, had the experience doing the full-stack JavaScript at the boot camp? Totally. I think that a lot of my problems with understanding Ruby on Rails come from the amount of magic that kind of happens for you. Um, and it's really, it's really not as much the magic that is occurring in the background, but kind of where the magic ends and where you have to pick up. Um, so like with, uh, with Node, I'm used to like having to manually build out every route that I want to, uh, to have available on the server. With Rails, you can kind of like just generate them immediately and it just kind of does it. Um, but definitely coming from a, a web development background-ish, it, it certainly helped. But I, again, like I, I still have not <laughs> come anywhere close to, to a, any level of mastery, so I'm still learning. Hey, right? Everyone's always still learning, though. So that's not... <laughs> no, 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 definitely. No, I wasn't saying it's a bad oh. thing. It's just like, just, uh, like I, I can't speak too intelligently on it. Yeah, yeah, no, no worries. But that's really, I think that's really interesting or just awesome that you kind of went from building like the external, like client facing site or user facing, as you could say, to now you're building like the internal sort of admin area, right? Right. Yeah. So it's definitely been a shift because uh, with the external site, everything has to be like polished. It has to be 100% ready to go. Um, it, there can't be any any sort of UI bugs. There's a little bit of slack that can be cut for the internal tooling. It's just like it's a different workflow. Some things can't break, like our billing cannot break because if our billing breaks, people get. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's very bad. Um, yeah. But there's other slack that can be cut. Um, it's just like it's a very, just even within the same engineering team, working on one product versus another, is a, it's a very different experience. Yeah. So, oh, uh, who do you work? So, like, because it's a small company. I mean, I, I work at a small company right now as well. And there's, I think you said, what, like only there's a handful of your, you know, of engineers. How does that look like? Do you do like code reviews? Like, are you working with other people? Like, how does that sort of play out in the day to day? Yeah, so I think it really depends on the situation. As an intern, I work probably more closely with every individual person um, than anyone else, just because like I'm always asking for help and always trying to learn from from their expertise. So so I my day-to-day is mainly just like I'm handed a task at the beginning of a two-week sprint and I work on that until I'm done. And that usually involves meeting, like building a preliminary version, then meeting with uh, one of the people on my engineering team just to, like pass everything by them, make sure that they thought it was a good idea, good implementation, etc. Um, and once I feel comfortable with the quality of my code, the quality of my implementation, 
I'll submit a pull request and have a code review. And at that point, it's just like a back and forth between me and whoever's code reviewing it. Um, that could be like code style, code quality. It could be just like the entire implementation they might not like. But it's a, it's a very good feedback loop. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, it's really, that's awesome. And I think that's something that, you know, a lot of um, college programs, to my knowledge, don't talk about as much is... Oh, totally. Yeah, could you maybe speak on that? Like, just like, in, I know you mentioned like sprints, so I'm assuming you probably use like Agile or something. Um, yes. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say like talk maybe some things that you never learned in school or you maybe know your friends are learning, but that you got to learn kind of on the job. I mean, really just like the high level idea or like the higher level idea of just like collaboration. It was never apparent to me at school that like the majority of the program that I'm going to be doing is working in a team because it's like explicitly against the rules in college to work on a project or on a, on a programming assignment with another person and get like kicked out of school for that. But there's not a single thing that I've worked on as a developer that I have not gotten help from someone that I've not worked directly with someone. And I think it's, it's totally misleading to prepare people to be like completely independent and to, to, to make people think that they're never going to be able to ask for help and never be able to work with someone. And that's what school does. Like they don't, they just don't give you, they don't give you a good idea of like what you're actually going to hit as a, as a real software developer. Like once you're, once you're out there in the industry. Yeah. And I feel like it's like the opposite in the real world. Like if you can't work with other people, well, that could really hurt your chances of getting a job or staying at a job, right? You have to be easy to work with. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And like every engineer who's been hired at common, every, actually every employee who's been hired at common goes through both like a technical interview to make sure like they're up to up to snuff in terms of like whatever expertise they're going to be working with, but they also go through a, um, I guess not like a a behavioral yeah behavioral interview. Yeah. That's that's what I was going for. Um, just to make sure that they like fit in with the uh, with the teams. Um, yeah, yeah, so important, so important, definitely. Yeah, yeah, and like another thing is like you just you also don't realize in college just how much how important it is to work with other people to learn because when you're working by yourself, like you have this one idea. And you don't have anyone to question why you're going to go down that route. You don't have anyone say, like, is there a better way to do it? Why are you doing it this way? Um, and when you work with someone, those are the questions that are asked most frequently. Is like, does this make sense? Is there a better way to do it? Is there a more efficient way to do it? Is there a cleaner way to do it? And that's where I think you probably learn the most. So do you have any advice for people uh, that could be listening that are in college right now? Maybe they're in a CS program. Uh, maybe they're not. Maybe they're in another technical program or what have you. Any insights on like from what you've learned so far on how to kind of prepare yourself for <sighs> the, the, the quote unquote real world? I know <laughs> I, I, I am kind of laughing myself. I'm like asking, you know, because you are like 20 years old. I'm asking right. for the real world. But, but you've, I mean, really on your own, you've made it quite far in the last year since you decided to leave college and, you know, you moved to New York, you have an internship, you're, you know, you're surviving. But like, what would you kind of give, I guess, your peers? Any, any insights? I think the best thing you can do if you want to learn is pick up a project with a friend and commit to doing it two times a week. Just working on it for a couple hours, two times a week, work together, excuse me, pair program, just build. That's on a personal level, on a more social, like uh, more professional level, I guess, is just go to meetups. Um, I'm not good at it myself. I don't, <laughs> I'm not a big fan of just like going out uh, in public and meeting random people. For me, what I found most effective like the most effective way of meeting other people is going to hackathons. I've been to seven or eight now, and they're just they're a fantastic way to 
to meet people, to meet recruiters, to meet other engineers working on similar problems that you are, to meet other interesting people. It's just that's I think a phenomenal way to to grow as a as a professional. Definitely, as as we said earlier in this conversation, it's all about who you know, not yes. what you know, and whatever works for you. I mean, hey, hackathons, meetups, you know. I don't know what what, what they yeah. call it, like cocktail not cocktails but you know what I mean it with it when you meet at the the happy hour happy hour oh happy it. hour happy, yeah happy, well that's happy. that's a little tough for me I'm, I can't go to bars yet oh right right no no happy hours for you yet but no happy hours for me, just sad hours <laughs> <laughs> okay that's so good so yeah that's you know that's really it Daniel uh, do you have any other advice that you could give to people whether they're college age or not just about transitioning into tech. Not not beyond just just build. That's the best way to learn. Build I, and then meet people, right? We'll do build and meet basic. people. I mean, you got to build to to impress the people you meet. But Very building, true. I think, is most important. Very true. Thank you so much, Daniel. And where can people find you online? Ooh, great question. Uh, you can email me. I'm ldthorn t h r n e at ninety six at gmail dot com. Yeah, I think that's probably the best way to get in touch with me. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Daniel. Again, the show notes for this episode plus a full transcript can be found at learntocodewith.me forward slash podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe on whichever podcast player you're listening on. I would also be so appreciative if you could leave a rating and review. Thanks so much for tuning in and I'll see you next week.